Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anytime during my 10 years, I could do this. na 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 that's power. That's power. Oh, man. down to Hartman's foot. Here's the snap. The ball is down. The kick is up. And it's gone. Wolfpack wins. It's time for the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Here's your host, James Curl. All right, folks, welcome to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Another solid crowd here at Amedios, and we hope that you will come down and join us in the very near future. Of course, we're now uh, well into the swing of football season, and uh, like we always like to do right at the top of the show, we like to promote uh, the things that are going on here at Amedios and all the, uh, the stuff that they have going on for you as a Wolfpack fan. Uh, this game coming up this weekend, of course, will be a home game against Louisville. And if you, uh, with it being a 12:30 kick, you may not have an opportunity to grab too much to eat beforehand. So, if you're hungry after the game, after uh, you know three or maybe four hours of cheering, depending on how long the game goes, uh, come on down to Medios and grab you some lasagna, a little Italian food, maybe some pizza or whatnot. You know, uh, an early game like that kind of gives you an opportunity to, you know, watch your team play and then catch the rest of the day's activities as well. So if you're looking for a good place to uh, come and hang out after the NC State game, definitely come on down to Medios, check out all the fine food that they have here and the atmosphere uh, for Wolfpack fans. It's uh, a wonderful time. You'll have plenty of Wolfpack Red fans here to cheer with you as you uh, root on or root against other teams in the uh, the conference, as it were. Uh, Matt Purdy is with us this week. How are you doing, sir? Doing pretty well, James. Good to see you. And uh, we're going to actually uh, bring on our special guest for the week. Uh, he is Mark Innes from ESPN 680 in Louisville. And uh, let's give Mark a call and bring him on the show. All right. Uh, Mark Innes is joining us on the phone uh, via the Skype airwaves. <laughs> Rousing round of applause here from the uh, media's folks. Mark, of course, is with ESPN 680 out in Louisville, the uh, the two-man game. And uh, he also works for Card Chronicle as well. Uh, Mark, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, guys. It's good to talk to you again. This is becoming like a, an annual tradition now. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, a tradition unlike any other. Um, <laughs> good to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, it, I, I was going to start with this thought, and, and maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't, but this is something that... Uh, I thought might apply to both of our fan bases, or, or maybe just you and I particularly. I think you and I are optimistic about our teams at this point, even though outsiders might say that we have no real good reason to be optimistic. Is is that fair to say? Yeah. I, well, I, I certainly speaking for myself, at least. Yeah, I think uh, most sane Louisville fans thought they would be right now two and two, and they're one and three mm-hmm. uh, instead. I think Houston proved to be better than most people thought. Uh, but uh, overall, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think they lost thirteen. There are three games by thirteen points, and uh, uh, looked pretty good last week against the bum uh, in Sanford. But I think it was a, a nice 
game for them to sort of get something rolling. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm optimistic. I think NC State fans certainly are 4-0, and certainly better than it's been in the last few years. Yeah, and, and of course there's been a lot of talk about NC State's schedule to this point. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of excuse-making or apologizing that should be done on our behalf for that. I mean, it is what it is. Um, there's been some talk locally about it uh, that has uh, raised some eyebrows uh, on this end. But, um, you know, it it is what it is, as we say, and, and it uh, has given, I think, state fans that follow this team pretty closely – you know, some reason to be optimistic, um, but of course there are question marks. And, and um, if nothing else, I'm excited about this weekend because I think it gives us an opportunity to finally get past this. Uh, they ain't played nobody yet, <laughs> Paul. Uh, part of the uh, the schedule. Um, what what are as you know, someone outside the program, you know, uh, and having looked through NC State schedule or, or lack thereof, um, you know. How, uh, well, let me ask you this. Is there a time that you can recall in Louisville's history where they've had a similar stretch where people have said, well, you know, Louisville hasn't played anybody, but you've been able to see things that have <laughs> panned out through the rest of the season? Yeah, I just want to, for people, anybody who knows Louisville that listens to this afterwards, I just they're all already laughing. Uh, yes, there have been periods in Louisville's <laughs> history where they were good and everyone said they haven't played anybody. Basically, uh, 2013 through 1900. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the history of Louisville's program is one or two games a year and then 10 or 9 or 11 games where people just sort of dismiss what they did. So I, I have been feeling uh, your pain being dismissed at 4-0. Uh, but, you know, even for NC State, look, not too far removed from needing like a miracle to beat Georgia Southern in the opener, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, things are getting better for y'all as well, even if it is against teams that people uh, immediately dismiss. Uh, so I'm not one who shares skepticism about NCAA. I think it's a good team. Right, and, you know, I think um, just, you know, comparing this year to last year, and, and the schedule hasn't been great, you know, I, either years, but, you know, I guess the difference this year versus last is like kind of like you alluded to, you know, where we were, you know, perhaps hanging on for dear life just to kind of get through that non-conference conference portion of the schedule. You look at what we did against South Alabama last week, or on Saturday, I should say, and you know this team's now at the point where it's starting to take care of those teams pretty quickly, dispatching them fairly quickly, instead of letting some of them hang around like we've seen in years past. So I think yeah, that's, that's that, that's fun. I mean, those games are boring; they're kind of like spring games. But God, it's way better than hanging off for dear life against those teams too. Which I, you know. I remember Charlie's team barely beat Eastern, Eastern Kentucky one year, like 21 to 13 or something. You know, that crap, it's terrible. <laughs> so when you're finally taking care of those teams, that's a good feeling. It's progress, whether people care about it or not. Let me ask you about the uh, the quarterback position. Um, Lamar Jackson comes in after, I guess, a little bit of shuffling to start the year. Um, and it seems like perhaps now this is his team at this point after the performance he had against Samford and you know, some of the other games. Is, is that fair to say? Is this going to be Lamar's team moving forward, do you think? Yeah, I think you, you could carry, <laughs> excuse me, characterize the first four games for Louisville, uh, or the first three games, as Petrino basically warring against his better judgment that Lamar Jackson is the is the right guy. And I think he really tried to make it uh, Reggie Bonapon in the opener. And I think he really tried to be as conservative as possible and see if Kyle Bowling could help them against Clemson. But ultimately, every team, not just Louisville, they need Lamar. They need the quarterback uh, to be the guy that makes things happen 
and be the guy that uh, you know the teams have to plan for, not just uh, dismiss outright or not just not mess it up. And it, as far as this roster is concerned, really, Lamar Jackson is the only guy that can play quarterback. The teams have to be like, okay, now what are we going to do to stop this guy? The other three, uh, they're very pedestrian. Lamar's kind of special guy. He, he needs some management. He's young. Uh, and Petrino's still learning, I think, how to call plays for him. But he's the only guy that I think is a weapon at quarterback. And I think, yeah, it's going to be his team going forward. He would not have started last week heading into this stretch of games if it wasn't the plan for him to be the guy going forward. And I got a question for you, Mark. Um, I, you mentioned, obviously, Lamar, you having to kind of game plan two ways. I mean, obviously, he's a quarterback. He can pass. But how much – I didn't. I only got to see the highlights of the Louisville game. Obviously, it's not nationally televised or anything for Samford. But all, sure. most of the highlights I saw were basically him kind of taking three steps and running. Is that going to be – is it going to be more designed runs? Is it going to be kind of him just scrambling? Or is he a real threat to throw downfield? Yeah, he actually threw the ball a lot better against Samford, and obviously part of that is just the opponent. But you know, he has an enormous arm. Uh, the problem with him is he would elude the rush, especially against Houston, elude the rush, uh, and, and just just heave the hell out of the ball, just throw it as far as it can. And it was kind of crazy because like you're like, wow, that guy can really throw the ball, but it was this dumb decision. Uh, against Samford, it was pretty obvious they had coached him. Listen, if things fall apart. Lamar, you can run. Just run. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to fool around. But there were more than enough times. I mean, he completed a 15 out of 22 uh, against Sanford. And in the second half, coming out of the locker room, the first two drives he was in, they went right down the field and scored again. And it was throwing. And uh, so he's a a good passer. Not great. He's good and getting better. But he is a very, very dangerous runner and passer off of broken plays. Mm-hmm. And the more he kind of gets that under control, the better he's going to be and the, the more they're going to sort of produce in a quarterback. Well, I feel like, Mark, through this early you know, part of the schedule, you know, we've looked good against these you know, teams that we should have beaten in a lot of respects. But the one area that we still seem to be struggling a little bit with is our secondary, defensive secondary, particularly against some of the you know, passes deeper down the field. You know the the go routes and the you know deep slants and those sorts of things. Is that something that Lamar can pull off effectively at this point in time? You think? Yeah, I actually think that's probably the thing that sets him apart, especially from Kyle Bolin, uh, but really from all the quarterbacks. He definitely has the biggest arm, the down the field throws. That's that's his thing. And you know Louisville's been forced to really put freshmen. Uh, at, at wide receiver really across the board for big chunks of both Auburn and Houston and at times even against um, uh, against Clemson last Thursday, uh, all the receivers on the field at any time were true or redshirt freshmen and they've they've kind of they've kind of held their own. So yeah, I think down the field is something he's probably better at than any of the other quarterbacks. And I think if that's something that they see on film NC State is uh, susceptible to, I think they'll try to attack that. Yeah, I did mention or did notice that it seems like uh, a lot of your guys that are getting the most targets and catches are uh, freshmen on the roster. I mean, is that is that something in response to uh, just you know guys that are showing up and are the most effective options at this point in time, or um, is it kind of? I mean, obviously you're trying to replace a little bit of what Devontae Parker gave you last year. Is yeah. it just kind of a replacement by committee type of thing with some of the best young talent that you have? Well, I think they, they do really like the freshmen that they signed all of them. You know, you saw Travion Samuel had the long touch uh, kickoff return touchdown against Clemson, and he's really good. Uh, I, they like the freshmen that they have. 
So it's a combination of two things. First, they really do like the freshmen, and, they're, and I think they're good, and they're going to be really good for years to come. Uh, but the second thing is three out of the top four guys coming out of spring ball uh, were James Quick, Alfonso Carter, Jamari Staples, who's a kid who came straight in uh, from uh, UAB, and, and Jaquay Savage. And for, all, for every game except for Sanford, three out of those four guys have been injured. Uh, James Quick just came back against Sanford, so two of those guys are back now. So really, injuries kind of forced all those young guys into the lineup. But I think those young guys were going to get a chance to play, too. So it's really a little bit of both. Uh, and it was kind of a baptism by fire for those guys. True freshman on the field against Auburn when Auburn was at full strength. True freshman on the field against Clemson, who probably has one of the better secondaries uh, in the country. And I think those guys really learned a lot in this first month of the season. And, and they're going to continue to be parts of the offense going forward. Now, State obviously has had a lot of success to this point in the year running the ball. Uh, you know, we faced teams with smaller defensive lines. Defensively, what what does Louisville do that will you know attempt to shut down what State is able to do on the ground heading into this game? Yeah, I think NC State uh, runs the ball really well on the edges, the, the the long kind of drawn out sweeps and stuff. That Auburn, I thought, actually had some success against Louisville doing the same thing. Uh, what Louisville does, I think, is pressure the quarterback uh, either with just the front four or with some pretty elaborate blitzes. A lot of these guys this been here a long time in the front seven. Uh, and Louisville's on a streak, I think, 17 games in a row with an interception. Lead the nation in interceptions so far. Had three against Auburn. Had two uh, last week against Samford. Uh, they had, I think, two against Clemson. I mean, they, they forced turnovers and forced turnovers through the air in particular because of pressure. So I think uh, Clemson, I think they're uh, uh, on offense like a uh, number 100 in sack rate, like allowing sacks. And that's little, that's Louisville's favorite thing to do is just get after the quarterback. Uh, so I think you will see a lot of really heavy pressure from Louisville taking chances uh, playing man-to-man on the outside unless Brissett shows uh, and the receivers that they can sort of beat him throwing the ball. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got uh, a kid, Jalen Samuels, who's obviously off to a hot start along with Matt Days. Um, one of his strengths, of course, is being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And I can see where in a situation like that where, you know, maybe Brissett has to get rid of the ball pretty quickly, he could be, you know, one of those options that could, from an NC State perspective, hopefully, you know, gash Louisville uh, once, you know, we're on offense. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, you know, I'm in a position where I feel optimistic about our things. You know, I'm, I'm not thrilled about the fact that it's a 1230 kick. Um, you know, <laughs> that's that, funny. I saw the, the NC State kind of collective freak out about that. Louisville fans <laughs> like new kickoffs either. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things you, uh, I think, I don't know, uh, as a fan, you don't like them because obviously it kind of cuts into your ability to have fun before the game. (laughs) Um, but you know, from a a football player standpoint as well, you're probably, you know, you just woke up to like everybody else did. You don't want to have to wake up and, you know, start carbo loading at like (laughs) eight in the morning and that that sort of thing. The the lights are different too. You don't have the the night lights on. And for this week, and I don't know if Mark knows this, but it's especially important for the 1230 because states having the pregame basketball, you know, the 1045 exhibition. And, you know, that's actually already canceled out two visitors that were going to fly in. And, you know, it, it would have been better if it was, you know, like one thirty or something, you know, that they could have the game. Everyone's out there having more fun. So it was kind of an extra 
um, tense this week when it was twelve thirty. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, generally. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you just as a uh, you know a, a fan of a team that has to play there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Cragthorpe won there at a t- in, a, in a noon game back mm-hmm. in all way back in '07, and I think that the night environment people still remember the way that place was uh, when EJ Manuel Florida State lost uh, up there. It's clearly an imposing place to play, especially at night when everyone has a chance to get kind of uh, lubricated uh, throughout the day. Uh, so I, I think Louisville <laughs> fans pretty happy to ha- avoid having to do that. Yeah, uh, it's the difference between. Oh boy, forgive me on this one. Uh, the difference between Carter Finley for a twelve thirty kick and a uh, seven o'clock kick is night and day. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for booing me here. Adam Jacoby, his ears are itching right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it was a you know a little bit of a shame because I think the shame of it is that I feel like you know again we're coming in feeling optimistic. You guys as well are as well, and I feel like those are the kind of games where. You know, is and the line, of course, is very close. I think it's under a touchdown still at this point. And uh, you know, I think it's it's could be anybody's game going in. And so I think it will be a great game. And you almost kind of hate to see those games relegated to a twelve thirty kick. You you want yeah. it to be a three thirty or seven o'clock kick. Yeah, I'd like to see. You know, the, I think the ACC is working really hard, like in basketball, to make Duke and Syracuse a thing. And they're working real hard to make Louisville and Virginia, Virginia a thing. Yeah. I'm laughing just saying it. But I really wish they would work much harder on Louisville and NC State because I feel like Louisville and NC State – I did. I said this when I was doing the various things with uh, Auburn folks leading up to the opener against Auburn. Like there's a camaraderie there. Like the, uh, the non-Nike schools in a state where the other schools think they invented sports. Right. Like that's, that's us. There's a camaraderie there, and I wish that they would work a little bit harder on because I think NC State and Louisville a lot, a lot, a lot alike, and I wish that uh, there was maybe a little bit more effort to pr- promote that instead of crap like Louisville, Virginia. <laughs> it's because you guys had that halftime brawl. Is, is that what? It oh, gosh, I, <laughs> all for, that I, I had forgotten about that. I actually have that whole game blocked out. <laughs> I actually I turned that game on like two seconds. I saw him run into the end zone, and all of a sudden there was just a full on brawl. That was all I saw that whole game. That's all I remember about that game, <laughs> including the outcome. <laughs> well, Mark, let's uh, maybe play a little hypothetical here. Um, let's say uh, Louisville wins this game. How, do, how does this change Louisville season moving forward? Starting the year zero and three, now you're two and three with a, a win in conference. I mean. What would that do for Louisville, and then we'll play the reverse, you know, for state winning. Yeah, I think for Louisville uh, winning, it would be huge because you, for Louisville, really the last seven games you have full, that bye week after NC State, Florida State, which at Florida State, which is really you know going to be a chore, I think, for this team. But the last six games after that, they, I think, they could and probably will win all six of those games. They play Syracuse, Boston College, Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, Wake Forest. They, they can win in those games, and I think they will. I think uh, the NC State game, if they win that, have a bye week to get ready for Florida State. I think they go to Tallahassee with a lot of confidence. Maybe they can kind of steal that one, or at least uh, the the, seal, the season kind of has more juice than it had at 0-3. Uh, so I think I think a lot is riding on it for Louisville. I think it changes what the ceiling is. Mathematically, I mean, if they, if they win against NC State, they, they can still win the Atlantic. And it's not like crappy teams don't win the division in this league <laughs> sometimes. So it could still happen, and I think that's probably the message. If they go win at NC State, it's like, hey, the ACC is still in front of us, even at, at two and three. Uh, 
for NC State, I think it allows them. If you look at the advanced metrics, Louisville's number twenty-eight ahead of NC State. Uh, if uh, if they beat Louisville at home, uh, it's a team. I, I, even with at, uh, the record of one and three, I don't think people could dismiss it because they've seen Louisville go toe to toe with good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the best thing for NC State is it would be a really good measuring stick, and it would be a chance for them to say, yeah, this is not Old Dominion, this isn't Troy, this is Louisville, they were ready. Uh, and now if, if the offense plays well and Brissette continues to be really good, I think it, it would be a chance for NC State fans and, and people associated with the program to just respond and say, hey, you can't dismiss this one like you did the first one. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, 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 if nothing else, it kind of gets us out of this window of time where people are like, well, let's wait and see until, yeah. you know, October. Well, it's October, so, um, that's, that's nice. And I think, uh, it would certainly, uh, for NC State to win that game, I, I agree with you. I think it would, um, put some of those naysayers, uh, you know, at bay. Uh, and as much as we are loath to start dreaming, it might start, uh, causing some state fans to start dreaming about you know what it might be if you you know because our next game I believe would be against uh, Virginia Tech it'd be a Friday night game up mm-hmm. in Blacksburg which is always tough but you know Virginia Tech just lost to ECU so certainly they're not unbeatable um, and then you know you start looking ahead and, and uh, start thinking about what could possibly be for this team in what appears to be uh, a weaker Atlantic at least you know than we thought heading into the season so. Um, so it's obviously a big game for both teams. Um, Mark, before we let you go, let me ask you a little bit about basketball. Um, you know, Louisville heading into the year, uh, what are the, what do they got? What are their prospects? Is this going to be a, another team that can make it uh, in a deep run into the NCAA tournament like they did last year, or is this perhaps a rebuilding year for Patino? Yeah, as far as the tournament, you know, I don't know, but I ha- I have a feeling that it is going to kind of look like last year where it was a team that, kind of seemed like it took a long time to get settled but then once it did they turned it on uh you know and were basically a free throw from going to the final four again which if you know you guys saw last year's team they had no business being that close to the final (laughs) four but i mean rick's rick's good at that and so i think he they brought in two of the better senior uh grad transfers that were out there damian lee uh and and trey lewis and i think they love those guys uh, a lot uh, and, and I think that that roster, as they get used to those two guys, I think most importantly, I think last year's team uh, attitude-wise, man, they were they they wore Rick out. Montres Harrell, really not a great teammate. Chris Jones, obviously, yeah. uh, a, a bit of a headache as well. I think if he could have had ten Terry Rozier's, he would have been happy. Uh, but I, I think this year's team, he seems to really like them and they seem to really like him and i think rick's really at his best when the team knows hey we're maybe we're none you know a lot of us aren't going to play in the pros uh we need you and and you need us and we'll make something out of this i mean virtually all of his really really successful teams have been teams where they both knew they needed each other and he sort of manufactured something out of it and i have a feeling uh, even if they have hiccups throughout the year by the end of the year it's going to look a lot like one of those teams and you know once it's all about the drawing for that, right? Well, are you coming down for the game this weekend, or are you going to be watching at twelve thirty on the ACC network, like so many of us will be? Yeah, I've got a. I have a baby that is a uh, twenty days old, so uh, oh, I'll wow. be here. Yeah, my my child was born on uh, September 9th. so I will be here. I, I couldn't dream of leaving uh, my wife alone uh, with the baby right now, and neither could she. I couldn't even dream of asking, frankly. Uh, so. <laughs> 
Yeah, I will be here. I'm probably a year away from uh, from making the uh, the ACC football road trips. But once that stuff is uh, once this is sort of settled, uh, I'll probably pick that up again in 2016. Well, I heard good things from uh, Clemson fans. Uh, Heading to uh, to Louisville, and I think uh, if you are ever able to make the trip down to Carter Finley, I think you'll uh, have a similarly positive experience. And I would love to. I really would. It's a, it's a great place. Maybe it'll be a night game at that point. Who knows? <laughs> It'd be wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll break down South Alabama on the uh, second segment here, the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. So, what is it that people like most about Emilio's Italian restaurant? Cool atmosphere, lots of state memorabilia, tons of memories, just lots of things to reminisce about. The food's awesome. I've had just about everything on the menu, and it's all great. Chicken wings, hamburgers, lasagna, pizza, it's all great. I love coming. I've been coming here since 30 years since I was a kid, man. Find your own special reason for loving Amidio's Italian Restaurant in the heart of Raleigh, North Carolina. All right, welcome back to the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. <laughs> We're having a good time here at Amedio's, and uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the uh, very close fall, hard-fought game against South Alabama where we only beat them by 50. Nail-biter. It was close. Uh, yeah, they jumped on us 7 to nothing. And uh, I don't know, what, what was your reaction after that first score? Well, it was equally surprising for me because I've been moving all weekend, and I was like, oh, yeah, I did everything I could to get back at 8. It was like 8.02, and I'm all excited to turn it on, and it's 7 nothing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, what is going on? And then, like, 20 seconds later, days. Well, all I see are tweets, people going, like, and texts from people like, oh, my God, I can't believe they called that back, and I have no idea what's going on. Right. I look, and, like, the next play, days goes tearing down the sideline for a touchdown. I was like, well, yeah. I guess I need to watch every second of the season, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Fedora said, uh, don't, yeah, don't go leave to, your seat. Don't leave your seat. You'll miss something. <laughs> I don't know how the rest of that quote goes, but it wasn't good. Don't leave your don't lose your Don't get Don't, don't leave, leave your seat or you'll miss two touchdowns or something. It was something ridiculous like really? that. Yeah, it was extra extra hyperbole, whatever. Still trying to live up to that ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Scores by the other team yeah. maybe, but Yeah. Uh but yeah, it stayed um after somewhat rocky start. Scored 28 unanswered on uh, South Alabama to, in the first quarter to pretty much put it out of out of reach. Uh, yeah, Day scored three times in the first <laughs> that's, quarter. That's adequate. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'll, that's all right. That'll do the job. Uh, Somehow he didn't win ACC Offensive Back of the Week uh, because yeah. UNC's backup quarterback against Delaware. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. We, uh, you know, <laughs> folks can, you know, grumble at home along with us. Uh, yeah. Jalen yeah. Samuels would have won by now, but he doesn't actually have a position. There's no Jalen, <laughs> the ACC Jalen Samuels Player of the Week. He should, since he's a tight end, he should get Offensive Lineman of the Week, right? Is, yeah, is I, I don't even know what he is, but he should win something. Flex Player of the Week. They should just name the award after him and just keep giving it to. Yeah, he's the ultimate flex guy. Like if you had yeah. to build a fantasy football roster, yeah, like and be. play that roster, he would be your flex guy because he could play all the positions. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Days had another great game. Uh, let's see, Samuels had two scores. Is that right? Yeah, he had. So Days had three. Samuels had two. Thornton had two. Right. 
and Gillespie and Gillespie had two. So all the running, all the guys that run the ball like at all. We're really padding the stats for our running backs. I, I, uh, my game. favorite stat padding, and it's not really padding, but it kind of makes up for like the whole rest of the game plan. Is when you get to the one yard line, throw a whole bunch of touchdown passes for Jacoby. Like all, like I think half his passes were all like one or two yard touchdowns. Um, but you know, you got to get his stats up or something. Otherwise, he'd have two touchdowns all season. Yeah, uh, and of course, Jacoby still has not thrown an interception, knock on wood. Uh, we didn't mention it in the interview with Mark in the first segment, but uh, I did see where David Hale on ESPN noted that uh, this is going to be kind of an interesting – or no, I'm sorry, this was Tony Haynes on uh, – David Glenshaw had mentioned that this is kind of an interesting uh, game within the game in the sense that you've got one team and one player in Jacoby Brissett who does a very good job of protecting the football and uh, you know not you know throwing the ball into uh, dangerous positions, perhaps sometimes – not being as aggressive as he should, but nevertheless doing a very good job of taking care of the football versus a team like Louisville that mm-hmm. does a very good job of you know generating yeah. an interception. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which wins the uh, immovable object or the irresistible <laughs> force in that respect. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, just a, a, a solid game all around. Um, I don't know that there's, a, you know, a whole lot uh, to take away from it there. You know, I don't think that from a play calling standpoint, we've mentioned it several times up to this point. <laughs> they haven't shown anything. Haven't really shown a whole lot. They did add the uh, the nice little uh, what uh, it was the option play with the inside yeah, toss the, to the, Samuels. The option shovel, which yeah, is pretty neat. Yeah, uh, that beautiful play, and I hope we see more of that. If it's uh, you know on film, looks like it'll be effective because it's a fun little play. You know, it, it gives. I guess would it be considered a triple option in in the sense that you know you have you can toss it wide you can keep it or you can th- toss it inside. It's not the traditional, but yeah, yeah it's I mean it's you have three options. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it's a nice triple play. option or triple play. Yeah, TV style. <laughs> we should just call it the triple play. Triple play. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know we did see uh, we have there weren't obviously too many opportunities for it, but there was a wonderful downfield pass completion yeah. to Samuels from Jacoby. Could not have thrown the ball any better. I mean, mm-hmm. what, maybe 40 yards in the air? Yeah. That's about uh, right. Hit him right, right kind in stride. of towards the sideline. Yeah. Everything. It's not like he just. And one of the things that college quarterbacks do that drives me crazy is when they have a guy wide open down the field and they try to aim it instead of just throwing it straight up. I mean, he didn't have that opportunity. He had to land it right down into a spot, like throwing it into a bucket. Yeah. And, and it hit right there. Yeah. Um, so. There was uh, kind of a collective Twitter exuberance <laughs> when he completed one. I was part yeah. of that, too. Oh, my God, it finally happened. <laughs> It's a unicorn. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was just a fantastic-looking play. And, uh, you know, I think it uh, – this is the David Hale tweet I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, there, 187 pass attempts or something. Well, no, he noted that two of the things that things – that two of the things that State had been struggling on this point in the season were the downfield pass plays, but also generating turnovers. turnovers. Yep. And I think that play came right after the interception, if I I'm believe, not mistaken. I think so. it did. Yeah, Pratt – Pratt had the interception. Yeah, and, I think it came and then right Jacoby him. took a shot and uh, hit Samuel. So, you know, that's good. Uh, that's a good sign for this team moving forward because we will need that. Vertical. You'll need that against Louisville. Yeah. You can't just. I mean, maybe they can, but most teams can't just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, pick up third and four every time. You have to be able to hit with a random deep strike or something like that, right? Especially in close games at the end of the half. So, you know, something where you need. Hey, we need to go get three points or yeah, whatever it is. And the offensive line performed well, even though they're kind of a, a little bit of a patchwork unit, especially on the left side yeah. at this point. Um, Tooney won Offensive Lineman mm-hmm. of the Week for his work, graded out, at, I think, at a 92. Nine. Yep. For you football nerds that know what that means. <laughs> um, so he did well. And 
I don't know if you've heard if we're going to get any of those guys back at I this point. I think Barr is supposed to return. Okay. Um, that's my understanding. Um, I, I don't know anything about Bryce Kennedy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It, it it sucks for him because he's been waiting his turn and he, um yeah you know, and then he gets, <laughs> he finally gets to start and then he gets hurt. But you know, hopefully he'll be back, get some I'm getting some, some affirmative nods from the crowd that it okay. uh, looks like he will be back. So hopefully that uh, that holds true. And yeah, I mean, as, as if that unit is able to keep healthy, yeah, um, and you know, to be honest, knock on wood, State has been maybe the healthiest team in the ACC. I, I, I don't think Carolina's lost much either, but you know, you, you see, Duke's had injuries. You know, Clemson, Florida State, all of them have had injuries or suspensions. Or I think Syracuse is on their fifth quarterback at this yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> and they're still you know hanging with LSU. So you know, maybe that's a good sign for the ACC or bad sign for the ACC. Who knows? <laughs> but um, I, I'll take either one. Um, but yeah, so just stay healthy. I mean, hats half the battle in football is the healthiest yeah. team at the end of the season <laughs> tends to tends to be in good shape. Yeah. Some teams get the bowl season and they have like half of their team is available. So just and that's been one of the benefits of being able to. I mean, McClendon came in with four minutes left in the third quarter or right. something like that. So that's been one of the benefits of everyone's joking on the cupcake schedule. But you know, team is about as healthy as you can be heading mm-hmm. into the ACC play. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um Again, this is going to be a defensive line in Louisville that's going to be bigger, yep. faster, stronger than anything that we've faced outside of that kid from Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, um, Spence, who was you know five star high school kid. Right. So. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it'll be uh, an increased uh, or a jump in level of difficulty for NC State's offensive line mm-hmm. heading into this week. We'll need every healthy body that we can get. Yeah, they got the confidence going though. I mean, I yeah. know they weren't the same caliber, but you know, if you're able to just push people around, you, you go out there. Hey, you know, would you rather have your lineman going out there thinking, "Oh my God, these guys are huge," or, mm-hmm. "Hey, I shoved those guys around last week. What's keeping me from doing it this week?" Yeah, although I always, uh, you know, I, I like to play kind of armchair psychologist, sports psychologist <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. It's it's difficult to know how, how you coach your guys up going into this because you have had so much success to this point. Mm-hmm. You obviously don't want them to take for granted what yeah. they've been able to accomplish right. at this point. Um, and so you're you're trying to make sure that they don't come in with uh, an ego that's overswelled right. relative to his competition. Yeah. I, hopefully after a few snaps, that will fade yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, you have to motivate them without scaring them. You don't yeah. want them to go in scared, but you want them going in, hey, these guys are real. You have to, yeah. you know, you got to you know, eat your protein, like you were saying, you know. <laughs> carb up and mm-hmm. you know just be ready to go yeah so you know i think i think having having days and shad is going to help both are you know different types of backs both are strong they can carry a load um you know th- that that helps a lot a team with the little tiny backs probably going to get swallowed up by a louisville defense but having guys that can kind of do both and samuels obviously i mean it takes a grown man to tackle him so yeah they just got to try to be physical with them but try to outsmart them at the same time yeah uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit with uh, Mark in the first segment, but uh, I was just looking at the stats here. You know, Louisville, for whatever it's worth, is is giving up just a smidge more on the ground than they're actually running themselves over 4.1 mm-hmm. yards a game uh, per carry. So, uh, you know, I'm hopeful seeing that, that, you know, maybe State will have some opportunities to continue what they're doing and not have to uh, get too fancy with it to generate yards on the ground, I think they still have an opportunity to be able to run mm-hmm. the ball between the tackles and, and do some things, even though this will be a, an increased, uh, you know, uh, or a, a better defensive line that they've faced to this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those runs against South Alabama, it was it was 
Yeah. It was almost embarrassingly easy. Shad's first touchdown, he burst through the line, and I, he kept running. He was running straight at two defenders, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And then I realized he just knew he was faster and stronger. And right. He just, I mean, he just went straight through two guys that were right next to him. Yeah, I mean, so, he's not going to be able to do that against Louisville. Right, exactly. But uh, you don't want them to, you know, go away from their strength uh, right. to this point. Yeah, run the ball until they make you pass it. Exactly, and, and yeah, make Louisville and show. J- Jacoby's shown he can pass, so he's completing eighty yeah. percent of them. So th- they have to deal with that. They can't sell one way or the other. You know, if they start blitzing and you just start running little delays or something, I mean, it's going to gash them for seven, eight yards at a time. Yeah. So as, you know, as not scared, but as you know, concerned as we are about Louisville's defense, they, I mean, they have to respect the, the dual threat. And I think mm-hmm. that's part of Dorn's, Dorn and Canada's game plan going forward is just convince everyone we can't pass. Push them, you know, make everyone think all we do is run, run, run. Yeah. And it's kind of the reverse of... What they did last year, you know, they they didn't run Brissett, they didn't run a whole lot. Maybe it was just figuring out the strengths. But by the end of the season, Brissett was running over UNC and a couple other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they play a little more psychological games than maybe we realize. I'm sure they do. I mean, they mm-hmm. they game plan all week, but I think they'll they'll force them to play the run and then try to go down, you know, downfield or go on some wheel routes with Samuels or Hines or some of those guys. Yeah. So, uh, so this will obviously be a, a huge game for NC State, you know, starting conference season off. You know, after uh, going four and zero and performing so well, I mean, it'll it will validate if we're able to win this game. You mm-hmm. know, with everything that's happened yeah. to this point, and the flip side of that coin, if you were to lose, it would be, you know, not devastating, Just but a it's, tough it was, start. It would be a pretty big setback to. Um, Two trips on the road and then Clemson at home. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and it also. Uh, in the same sense that a win could validate the four and zero start, you know, a loss could suddenly, you mm-hmm. know, kind of prove everybody right that said, oh, they haven't played anybody. Let's, you know, see yeah. what they can do against better competition. So, uh, a huge game early on for this team facing Louisville and getting that win at mm-hmm. home. So, um, let's see. Any other thoughts on South Alabama or Louisville as we head forward? Uh, I thought I, mean, I was as impressed with the South Alabama game as I've been with state football in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was what I was hoping Doran would bring, just domination of a game. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen a win, you know, 35 nothing Eastern Kentucky, stuff, but going out and scoring 63, I mean, it doesn't really matter who it is. State doesn't do that that often. Right. And being able to do it without, you know, big fluky plays, I mean, they, they just ran the ball down the throats, you know, made a couple big plays, had some big punt and kick returns. That was the kind of talent, speed, and size I've been hoping to see, and it's nice seeing that come along. Um, guys like Contavia Street, Roseboro had two sacks. You know, it's showing that hey, the increased talent level is actually making a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, people say recruiting doesn't matter, and some some people say it matters at all. And this kind of kind of proves that maybe it it does matter. It's not you know the end all be all as you know yeah. some, some like Tennessee and a couple other programs have <laughs> have realized, but. It, it was impressive, and it really made me think. Okay, this team can compete. Um, you know, not necessarily win the division. It wasn't like a you know that kind of moment for me. But it was you know this team can hang with pretty much any team they play. Yeah, for the most part. And that you know, like Florida State a couple years ago, it was what forty nine to nothing after the first quarter or something. It, it uh, it's a completely different yeah breed of that. Yeah, and 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 I just really took took that away. Um, I think you know even though Louisville's one and three. You know they lost to Houston, who's actually you know a good mid-major team. They're not scrubs, but you know they still should have beat them. But Louisville's a good team, win or lose. I mean, if State doesn't get blown out and it's a close game back and forth, and they lose, 
obviously you don't want that to happen, but it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a good team that you hung with. But a win could, you know, mean a nine, maybe a ten win season if everything goes right. Yeah. Um, a loss could be six or seven wins. It's not that easy of a schedule, even though the Atlantic's down. So it, it, I still think it's maybe the biggest game of the year in terms of like momentum and just mm-hmm. everything that rides, you know, on it. Uh, any big recruits going to be in town? Basketball, week? yes. Uh-huh. Uh, football, honestly, Dexter Lawrence has shown up for both home games, and they haven't been great games, so you know, hopefully they'll be able to get him in. Basketball, Adebayo's coming. Raleigh Alkins, who just moved to the Word of God, you know, top ten player in the country, he's probably coming. Dennis Smith's going to be there. These kids, 2019 kids are coming. I mean, uh, yeah. Is that like 12-year-olds? <laughs> they're 14. <laughs> So that means they're in like eighth grade, but you know they have they have kids from pretty much every year from like yeah. eighth grade to you know, and they can basketball. You can kind of tell who's going to be good. Yeah, but you know it is a good game. The I think it's supposed to rain, so that that would yeah kind of negate some of that. But let's 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 keep that away from us. Yeah, you know that's the shame of it because the rain does appear to be in the forecast, and we've got the outdoor you know basketball yeah. kickoff scheduled, and um, and so. You know, I, I really do hope that the the rain holds at bay. And uh, even if it's cloudy, just let them let them play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind if it's cloudy. That's all right. But um, yeah, and I'm sure there will be some football kids. You know, usually by Wednesday or so, we kind of get an idea of who's coming. Right. Um, you know, with the local talent the way it is, there could be some surprises. Mm-hmm. Especially you know if weather's bad or whatever in the whole southeast, maybe some kids will stay closer to home come up to the game yeah. but it'll be good for football huge for basketball yeah. um there are everyone seems to think that Adebayo could commit this weekend i think if if he doesn't commit this weekend it could run into the spring um hmm. but there is a you know a good chance that he could it, you know who, who knows with a what 17 year old kid what's go, really going on but you know with you know the you know, the basketball event goes well, football, you know, there's good atmosphere at the football game. You never know what could happen. So yeah. just kind of keep an eye out, watch your uh, updates, and see if something happens there. Because I yeah. think Cat Barber committed right before a game, I guess it was four years ago or whatever. Um, right. It kind of came out of nowhere. So <laughs> just, Kyle Washington did too. So basketball players do commit at football games. It is a big yeah. selling point. So, obviously, you know, even with it being a 12.30 kick, we want to make sure we get as many folks out there as possible. Yeah. Great atmosphere, even though uh, certain schools in the area sometimes struggle to put <laughs> people in the stands and during. round up their numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we w- shall hope for a good result this weekend. And, uh, again, I'm optimistic. If anything, I'm trying to temper my optimism at this point. Yeah. It, it's like it's like hard. most state fans, you yeah. get a little optimistic and it immediately scares you. You mean like, whoa, yeah, I better yeah, yeah. back up a little bit. This this optimism thing is a little bit crazy. Yeah, I don't really know what to do with it. Uh, so uh, I'm hopeful that that optimism is rewarded uh, in the result that we see on Saturday, and and then who knows what happens from there because then all bets are off. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, I'll thank Mark Ennis again for joining me in the first segment. <laughs> Uh, Matt Purdy for joining me, and uh, this is James Curl saying so long here from the Riddick and Reynolds podcast. Me, at least we'll both be numb. And she'll always get the best of me. The worst is.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.